Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Uh, welcome this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's new, and you're right. It is new. Uh, we've been out of a series for uh, over a month now, and uh, I was just about to, to switch series before uh, uh, the live stream and the lockdown, the not gathering started. And so I've kind of put off uh, switching to a series, thinking that uh, I would start when, when we gather again, but uh, honestly, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And so we are jumping into a new series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so we're actually going to be looking at the entire first chapter today. I know that's a big bite, um, but we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. So you turn there in your Bibles. While you're turning there, let me talk to you a little bit about an opportunity that we have. Um, you know, when you, when you think about the stay-at-home order, um, the lockdown in, in our country and really countries around the world... Um, the, the, the higher on the economic ladder you are, probably the less affected you are. So uh, for most upper middle class folks, you know, things are really slow at the office. You're probably working from home. Uh, you lost a bunch of money in your retirement account. You miss live sports. Family drives you a little crazy. You got a little cabin fever. Um, those sorts of things, right? Uh, but the lower you go down, so, so in, in America, if you're in the service industry, perhaps, you, you may have completely lost your opportunity to work. Uh, lost your opportunity to, to, to make money, to have an income. You're probably having to depend on some government programs or unemployment or benevolence helps. Uh, all the way down to, in, in, our, in our town, the, 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 the homeless in our town who really don't have anywhere to go during the day, uh, even to, to use the restroom or just to get out of the cold. Uh, everything is shut down. All the lobbies are shut down. So, so the further down you go, the more impact upon your life. And this is magnified in other countries. Uh, the country that I'm thinking about, uh, that's dear to us uh, at Lincoln Avenue is India. Many of you may have saw the Wall Street Journal article that uh, just talked about the, the massive exodus out of the big cities of, of India uh, because there, there's, no, there's no day labor jobs. Um, many, 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 many people in India live day by day. They work uh, the, for the day. They, they get their, their, their wage and they buy their food. They pay their housing. That's the way they live. When all of that stopped, they've got nowhere to go. And, and, and many of our friends in India are in the same situation. And so I was talking with our partner there, and uh, we have kind of identified 410 families that are very close to us, very instrumental in, in the mission uh, of the gospel to that country. And uh, what we would like to do is make sure they're taken care of. And so we've, we've identified 410 of them, and, and our missions committee has made the decision to send uh, about $6,100 just in aid, just in relief. Um, that we hope will trickle down and have a larger effect in many villages and many, many, many rural areas. Uh, but we want to give you an opportunity to jump in on that. And I've already got several people that have pledged and have already given money. And so I'm just letting you know about that church. So if you want to be a part of that, let me know. Um, if you can get the money to us, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day, that's fine. If you can't, that's fine too. Just let us know what you're going to give and we'll, we'll include that. In, in the money that we send. And so there's a great opportunity just to make a difference around the world in a very, very difficult situation. All right, let's jump into 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And so hopefully you're with me. Uh, let's read. We'll pray and we'll get started. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering for God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, 
but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we have had among you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Father, we, uh, we plead for your help this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would be with every family uh, tuned in uh, on their device. God, I pray that uh, you'd remove distractions, that you would open our hearts to receive the word. I pray that just as Paul testified, that the word would go forth today with power, uh, with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Father, we are asking that you would give us a testimony, a testimony like this church. Father, we're asking, God, that you would use us to make disciples who will make other disciples. Father, we, we pray for our community. We pray for our, our world, our country. God, we ask that you would hold back uh, the spread of the virus. We ask, Father, that you would be with those on the front lines of care. God, we ask that you would give us grace to be the church in this time. Father, give us creativity. Give us intentionality. Father, show us how to love our neighbors um, in a different time. Father, be with us now. God, give us obedience to what we're about to look at. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just a bit of background. Uh, so, 1 Thessalonians is a letter. It is the first letter written by the Apostle Paul that we have anyway. Uh, to a church in Thessalonica, a church that Paul had a, a large hand in planting. Uh, Thessalonica would be in modern Greece today, if you were looking on a map. And uh, this is a great church. Uh, you know, Paul wrote lots of letters in the New Testament. When you look at Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, those are all letters to either churches in a city or churches in a geographic area. And, and when you compare them to Thessalonians, man... Thessalonians is the church you want to be at. They're the church you want to pastor. They're the church you want to be a member of. Uh, Corinth, take for instance, is, is full of politics and it's full of quarrels and sexual morality and lawsuits and just all kinds of problems. Paul, Paul basically deals problem with problem with problem when he's going through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But in 1 Thessalonians, uh, it starts out with this glorious testimony by the Apostle Paul of the work of God in this church. Now, Christians have testimonies. You know that. Uh, again, I, I bragged on it last week. I want to brag on it again. I love what you're doing, church, on social media. I love how the gospel is going out to literally thousands upon thousands of people through your personal testimony uh, on, on Facebook, on, on Instagram, on, on where, wherever you've put it. But what I also want you to see is that Christians also have, have testimonies, but churches also have testimonies. So, so a church has its own story of how God brought it into existence, how God brought together a group of sinners and they became followers of Jesus and, and their impact in the world. And, and really, that's chapter one. Paul is telling the story of the Thessalonians coming to Christ and their impact in their region, okay? Now, I want, to, I want us to start in verse four, okay? Uh, I know it's not the beginning, but let's start there. 
Paul says in verse 4, he says, we know, so he's talking about he and his companions, we know, brothers, that you are loved by God, okay? He says that, that he has chosen you. He says two really important things there. He says, brothers, we know that you're loved by God and that he has chosen you. Now, those are, first of all, delightful expressions, are they not? Uh, when you think about ways that we can be described as Christians, Paul, Paul uses this beautiful term that I love, chosen, all right? If you're a believer here this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, it ought to fill your soul with wonder and with assurance and with delight that God has chosen you, that, 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 he, that he's picked you, okay? Now, 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 most of us have this keen sense of our own inadequacy, and rightly so. Um, I, I talk to people all the time who say things like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I don't feel like that I'm very, I'm very lovable. Uh, I just don't feel like, you know, that I've, I've done things to honor and serve God. And, and yeah, I think they're expecting me as a counselor and a pastor and someone who should have compassion and kindness, right, to, to kind of combat that and be like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're really a good person. But like, honestly, the scriptural answer to that is, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, that's me. Like, I, I'm inadequate, like totally totally inadequate for anything that God has put in front of me. I, I, I have not done good things. I have not been righteous on my... I mean, that, that's the story of the Bible is, you're right, we, we don't deserve grace. We, we are inadequate. We are deep down broken. You know, if you're, if you're in this morning, you're listening this morning, and you, you kind of feel like the runt of the litter, you know, you kind of feel like the, the black sheep of your family, maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you kind of feel like you're the last kid left in the gym when they're picking sides for, for kickball, you know, if that's kind of the way you walk through life, I've got great news for you. If you're a believer, God chose you. He chose you. Like, he pursued you. He wanted you. I mean, that, that is the clear testimony of the scriptures. A lot of people almost act like they got into the kingdom through a loophole. You know, like, like God laid out this gospel and he really meant it for these people. You know, he's really excited about these people. But, you know, you came in too and he's, he's too polite to say, well, you know, I really didn't want you, but okay, go, come on in. Yeah, you can come. You know, that's not the testimony of the New Testament. That is not the way the Bible works. We have, uh, we have an abundance of, of evidence in the scripture that God pursues sinners. He comes after them, the most unlikely kind. When you look through your New Testament stories uh, after story of guys like Matthew sitting at his tax booth, everybody hates him. Nobody likes him. He's a tax collector. He's a traitor. He can't go to the synagogue. He's not welcome in religious circles. And Jesus walks by and says, hey, yeah, yeah, you, you. You had to know he had to look behind him, you know? Surely he's not talking about me. No, you, yes, you, I want you to follow me. Zacchaeus, guy's up in a tree. He just wants to get a glimpse at Jesus. Everybody hates him. He's friendless. He, he, nobody, nobody will be a companion of Zacchaeus. And Jesus stops, looks up. Hey, buddy, come. You, you come with me. I'm coming to your house. You, you're, you're hosting us tonight. I mean, that, that's the story of the New Testament. Why would it be any different with you? It's not. It's not. If you find yourself this morning having repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, I got good news for you. You're chosen. <laughs> You're chosen. Like, like God came after you. Yeah, God wants you. He pursues you. All right? Now, the real, the real wonder here is the how Paul knows this. Okay? So how is Paul able to look at these believers? You know, here's, here's the thing I've told you many times. We can't see anybody's heart. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. 
Jesus tells us there'll be, there'll be some surprises on Judgment Day. He tells us that, doesn't he? So there'll, be, there'll be some folks that you didn't expect to see there that are there, and there'll be some folks that you thought would be there and they aren't there, right? So, so there'll be some pride. So how, how is Paul able to say with this confidence that, hey, you guys, man, you're loved by God. You're chosen, all right? And, and, and that's a great question to ask yourself. I was talking with some guys this week, and we were talking about 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that, that is this command, this exhortation to look at your own life. Man, you ought to do that this morning. You ought to do that right now. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you, you, you fail to meet the test? Man, you, you, ought, you ought to ask yourself that. You, you ought to want to know the how. How is Paul so confident of, about, about these guys and their faith? Well, let me try to answer that for you real quick. First of all, there, there's some things he remembers about them. Verse 3 he says, remembering before God and fa- before our God and Father, your, and he says three things here, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. Now, I think if I was normal, I, I would have just hung the sermon on that. That, that. that would have made a lot of sense, you know? There's, there's a three-point outline, right? How, how, what does Paul remember about these guys? He, he remembers that, first of all, they've got a faith that works. It works. Like, it's not just this, this impotent uh, uh, changeless thing that doesn't impact their life or anybody else's life. No, when they, when they trust Jesus, like it results in things. It, 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 it impacts the community. It impacts their family. It drives them into, into good deeds and a transformed life. They've got a faith that works. And not only they have a faith that works, they've got a love that labors. You know, they, they've got a love for God and for others that actually leads them to pour themselves out into exhaustion. Like, like they're tired. They're, these are worn out folks because they love people in, in the name of Jesus. And, and that love leads them to feed and to clothe and to visit and to serve. They, they, they've got to labor, an exhaustion of love. Paul says, man, I, I remember your, your faith that works. Man, you're just, you're just like what James said. That, you know, faith, faith has to have works with it. It's just like what, what, what Ephesians 2.10 said, that, you know, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's just like Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 13, talked about where it says, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's all through the scriptures. So he says, man, you've got a faith that works. You've got a love that labors. And you've got a hope. I, I love this one. A hope that is steadfast. Now remember, remember our definition for hope. Hope is a confident expectation. Good things to come. Hope is that ability of a Christian to look forward, to look into the future, to look, to look ahead and say, man, there are good things coming. There are good things coming. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of an economic collapse in our country, in the midst of all kinds of uncertainty, a believer has this rock-solid hope, this ability to look ahead into tomorrow, into next week, into next month, and say, man, there's good things coming. I know it. I am certain of it. That's what I hope is. And in 1 Thessalonians, here, here in 1 Thessalonians, he says, you, you've got a steadfast hope. In other words, you've got a hope that, man, it's dogged. It's rugged. It, it, it's got grit, right? It, it, it endures, right? It, it can go through a lot of struggle and a lot of tough times and, and, and still remain. It's this relentless optimis, optimism that, that is grounded in what Jesus Christ has promised, in, in what the scriptures tell us is going to happen. 
right? Now, man, those are great things. Like, we could literally spend the rest of our time very easily talking about, hey, Christian, how do you know? How do you know that, that, that you're chosen by God? Well, man, you got a faith that works, and you got a love that labors, and you got a, a hope that is relentlessly, doggedly steadfast. All right? Man, that's, that's great. That'll preach right there. But that's another sermon, though, for another day. Because really what I want to do is I, I, I want us to be honest to the text here. He actually, he actually doesn't say those are the things that give him confidence that these guys are chosen before God. So, so let's look at our text again. He says uh, in verse 4, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And then the next verse, verse 5, says because. So, so verse 3, labor, love, and faith that works, and steadfast. That, that, isn't, that isn't why he's confident of their, uh, 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 that they belong to God. He's confident because of what he's about to say. All right? And, and what he's about to say, if I were to sum it up for you, Paul, Paul is basically saying, man, I, I am confident that you're chosen before God because you are a multiplying disciple, okay? You're a multiplying disciple. In other words, what, what, what we find in verse 5, 6, and 7, really the rest of the chapter, is Paul's like, man, I am confident that God has chosen you. I'm confident you're loved by God. I'm confident you're a believer because you became what God intended you to become. I don't know if you guys ever got models when you were little, you know, the kind you put together, they come in a whole bunch of pieces, and, you know, you, you, there's a box, and on the outside of the box, it shows you what it's supposed to be, and you open it up, and it's just this, like, thousands of pieces, you know, and you got instructions, you're supposed to put it together, and I don't know if you ever had the experience of, of, of buying one of those, and, and on the outside of the box, it's this battleship, you know, it's this really cool battleship with cannons, and, you know, just really fierce-looking thing, and and so you open the box, and it's got all these pieces, and, and you start following the directions and putting, you know, 1A to 1B and, and gluing it and snapping it together and everything. And, and you finally get done, and you get done, and you, and you look at it, and you got a pink bunny rabbit, you know? And, and you, have to, you have to wonder, man, what, what happened? You know, like, that's not what it's supposed to be, okay? Well, Paul says of the Thessalonica, Thessalonian Christians, he says, man... You became, I know, I'm confident of your salvation. I'm confident you're the real deal. I'm confident that you're genuine because you actually became what, what God intended for you to be. And, and I believe the Bible is really clear that God intends to make disciples. He intends to make disciples who make disciples. I, I really shouldn't have had to say multiplying disciples because really a disciple implies that. A disciple is, is someone who follows Jesus, and someone who follows Jesus is someone who helps other people to follow Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's all through the scriptures. Matthew 28, as Jesus uh, dies on the cross and raises from the dead, and he's about to ready to ascend into heaven, he says to his disciples, to those who are following him, he says, he says all authorities on he in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. In 2 Timothy, Paul says uh, to the guys in the church, he says, You then, my child, be, be, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I mean that, in other words, that, that's what a disciple is. And, and so he's confident of these believers because... They became what God intended them to be. They became multiplying disciples. The, the church was a multiplying ministry. I don't think that's always taught. I, I think when a lot of people come to Christ, I, I'm not sure they got the picture on the front of the, you know, what, here's, here's what you're supposed to be. I think, I think for a lot of people what I hear is that, they're like, well, you know, I, 
I want to follow Jesus, but I'm certainly not gifted. I'm not able, you know, to, to, to multiply, to reproduce myself in others. Uh, you know, you got to be a professional. You got to know all the answers. You got you to be able to win Bible Jeopardy in order to pull that off. And that is not the reality of the New Testament. The reality of the New Testament is if you found the best thing, then, man, you're going to immediately turn around and try to help somebody else find the best thing. That, that's, that's, that's the picture the Bible gives us. So in verse 5, 6, and 7, I think we see a beautiful, this, this is what I want to hammer on today. I, see, I think we see a beautiful picture of what God intended us to be as a church, okay? So let me, let me just give you a brief outline of that, and then we'll jump in specifically, okay? So verse 5, the word of God comes to them, comes to these believers in the gospel, these Thessalonians, okay? The word of God comes to them in the gospel. Verse 6, they receive the word, and they start to look like a disciple. Verse 7, they become a pattern for other people to follow Jesus, okay? So you got it? Verse 5, they hear the gospel, okay? Verse, verse 6, they, they believe and start acting like a disciple. Verse 7, they actually become a pattern for other people to hear the gospel and believe and be a pattern for others, okay? Let's look at those three phases. So first of all, verse 5, okay? They hear the gospel, all right? So verse 5. All right, so we know they've chosen, God has chosen you, verse 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. All right, so first of all, they heard and saw the gospel. Now, what, what is the gospel? When, when he says the gospel came to you in word, not only in word, but also in power, what does he mean by the gospel? Well, the, but the gospel is simply good news. All right, the bad news is we're sinners. Bad news is our world is broken. The bad news is we've not obeyed God. We've not followed him. We've not trusted him. We've not loved him. We, we've not said, God, you're the most important thing. In fact, in fact, everybody on the planet has in some way ignored him and worshiped other things. That's the bad news. Okay, the good news is is that God loves us with an everlasting love, that he sent his son to rescue us. The good news is that Jesus came, that he came to live the perfect life and then to die a death on our behalf, and then he rose from the dead, and he's going to fix everything. That, that's the good news of the gospel, and he's calling you into that. I don't know if, I know many of you have been watching a little series, The Chosen. Uh, you can get it on, on your phone as an app, and we, we mirrored on our TV the last eight suppers, I think, or so. We've missed a couple maybe. But, but the last eight, we watched the whole first season. And one of my favorite parts is uh, uh, the woman at the well out of the Gospel of John. And, and uh, man, here's this gal that has been rejected and scorned and scarred and living under the weight of a lifetime full of mistakes. She's full of shame. She's angry. She's bitter. She can't fix her life. And then she meets Jesus and through, through an incredibly beautiful conversation realizes and Jesus reveals to her that he is the Messiah. And, and, and there's this great point in, in, the, in, in the scene where, where he's like, hey, I came here for you. Like, like I, I, you know, she can't believe that, okay, if you're the Messiah, then why are you talking to me? And he's like, man, I came here for you. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm revealing this to you. I, 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 this is the good news. And, and the kind of the scene ends with her literally running into town, like, like yelling at everybody, hey, you got to come meet this guy. You got to come, come meet a guy who told me everything I've ever done. It's good news. And, and it says in, in verse 5, the good news came to you in word. What does that mean? That means Paul told them. Like Paul articulated to them the gospel. He, 
He told them about, hey, you're, you're a broken sinner. Like, that's what's wrong. Maybe you've wondered all your life, what's wrong with me? That's what's wrong with you. You're a broken sinner. You, you, don't, you don't love the right things. You don't worship the right things. You're broken. But, but, but here's what Christ has done. God has loved you and sent his own son to live the perfect life on your behalf and then to die a substitute of death for you. And then he rose from the dead and you can actually be joined. You can actually be connected to his resurrection life by turning from your sins and, and putting your faith in him. And, you know, Paul tells them the gospel. He, he tells them the story of God, how God, the creator God, has been working through time, through Abraham, through Israel, to bring about a rescuer who would save the world. He tells them the gospel. All right, church, what, what's our story? Let's, let's think about Lincoln Avenue. Are, are we full of people who articulate the gospel? Let me just say, you should be able to do that if you're a believer. And, and if you can't, let, man, if you can't, please ask for help. You know, what? one of the things we do in, in, in our children's ministry, I think really well, is, is we... we once a kid's kind of in our, in our pipeline, you know, they've, they've shown interest in the gospel, they've expressed interest in the gospel, maybe they've made a profession of faith, man, we, we want to we take them through this discipleship process, get them a mentor, and one of the, one of the main goals there is we want you to be able to articulate the gospel. There, there's so many adult believers who I, I, I truly believe that, that, that they're Christians, that I, I believe they have a genuine faith in Christ, but, but they, they've never practiced, they've never developed a skill of turning a conversation into a gospel opportunity and expressing, here are, here are the greatest truths in the world. And, and I just want to say, Lincoln, man, if there's folks, that you, if you can't do that, man, our pastors would so love to get together with you. Hey, we, we've got some time right now. Uh, we would so love to get together with you. Maybe, maybe on Zoom if you don't want to meet personally or FaceTime or whatever. We would love to help you find a pattern to be able to articulate the gospel. You know, in, in, in your own way, to be able to tell the stories of, of, of the scriptures, to lead people to the greatest gift. Ask for help. Man, we ask for help on all kinds of other things. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I ask for help on, in technological things every day, almost, right? Like, Logan has had to show me how to share things on Facebook where other people can share them, I think every time. Like, I, I just, I can't figure it out. Like, I, I share it and I do it wrong, and then he, like, shows me how to fix it, and then I, I can't get it. But I just keep asking, okay? Hey, if, if, you, if you can't articulate the gospel, ask for help. Please, we, we want to help you with that. Ask. Now, look what else he says, though. Verse 5. He says, our gospel came to you not only in word, this is beautiful, but also in power. And do you see that? It came not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And what, what, is, what does he mean there? Let, let me give you an example of what he means. Okay, so in Acts 11, here's, here's kind of a cool example of what Paul's talking about here. Yeah, it's, it says in Acts 11, there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, listen to this, preaching the Lord Jesus. Okay, so they're, they're articulating the gospel, they're articulating who Jesus is, what he's done. Okay, verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was on them. The hand of the Lord was with them, I'm sorry. The hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. You see that? So, so I mean, there's this, hey, they, they were articulating the gospel and the hand of the Lord was on. What's that? that that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, and the, the power, the, the power of the Lord was with the gospel. 
In other words, when, when Paul's articulating the truths of the gospel, there's, there's the power of the Holy Spirit that is accompanying his word. That's what I, that's what I prayed for today. Is, is I, I pray, God, would you please do this? Would you, would you please send the power of the Holy Spirit with the word of God? It's what you should be praying every time you have a gospel conversation with somebody. Every time you have a gospel conversation with anybody, you should be asking, God, please, would you accompany my words with your power? Right? So, verse 5, they, they heard the gospel accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and then look at this beautiful little gem here. He says in, in verse 5, you, the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Not only did they hear the gospel from Paul, they saw it. You see, that's why he says, hey, you know what kind of men we proved to be. Next chapter, he actually gets specific there. Second Thess- 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. You remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you, believers. They, they saw the gospel in Paul, like the things that Paul was telling them. Man, they, they saw him lived out in his life. Okay, so, so we got to hurry here. So step one, these guys, these guys hear and receive and see the gospel. Okay, step two, this is verse six. Look at verse 6 with me. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. All right, what, what happened? They, they heard the gospel. They saw the gospel. They believed the gospel. And what, what happened? They began to imitate Paul and the Lord. All right? Now, that, that, that imitate Paul may bother you a little bit. It shouldn't. It's, it's everywhere in the scriptures. All right? Uh, give you one, one other example, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Here's the deal. Paul is following Jesus, okay? So like, like become a disciple, you need to, remember, remember Matthew 28, you're, you're doing what? You're learning to obey all that Jesus commanded. Like you're learning to follow Jesus. You're learning to be like Jesus. You're learning to put on his character, all right? But, but, but here he says, man, when, when we preach the gospel, you received it, and immediately you began to imitate us and the Lord, right? That's a beautiful thing. You see, Paul's following Jesus. He used to be a bad guy. He used to be self-righteous and mean-spirited and prideful, and God changed him. And now he's, he's this guy with this incredible joy in the Lord. He's a man who easily forgives. He's a man who treasures Jesus above everything. He's a guy who works really hard to be able to give to others. He's a guy who in Acts 14 is sharing the gospel with some folks, and they get angry with him, and they pick up rocks, and they start throwing them at his head until he stops moving, and then they drag him outside the town and throw him in a ditch, and he comes to his senses in a little bit, wakes up, gets up, goes back into the town to share the gospel some more. Well, that's the kind of guy Paul is. He's following Jesus, and it's super helpful to have someone in your life who is following Jesus to help you follow Jesus, okay? That, that's helpful. You, you should be being discipled. That, that, that's, that's what we call that. That's when you have somebody who is speaking the word of God into your life, and, and you're able to, to watch their life, and you're able to... to to watch what they do and begin to follow them and follow Jesus. And you need that. Christian, 
If you've kind of wondered, maybe you're on your couch and, and, and you've, wondered, you've been a Christian for 10 years, but you're, you're not growing and you're not reproducing yourself and, and you're not multiplying disciples. You know one of the reasons why? One of the reasons why is you never had this. And this is valuable. I remember shortly after I became a Christian, um, I read in my Bible in Ephesians 5 that I'm to love my wife as Christ has loved the church. Man, what a beautiful and heavy command. Love Love your wife just like Jesus loves the church, just like he sacrificed for the church. Just Okay, that's, that's incredibly heavy. And I was so thankful to have a guy named Kenny Qualls in my life who was investing in me, and, and, and I got to sit at his table, and I got to watch him talk to Donna, his wife. And, I mean, I can still remember just, just seeing how the tone he took with her and, and the way he spoke about her and just thinking, man, huh, I don't do that. I, I, I need to do that because I, I think he's following Jesus. And that, that's super practical. I remember shortly after my salvation, I knew from the scriptures I was supposed to tell people about Jesus. I really didn't know how to do that. I'm so thankful for a guy named Kelly who, who, who got a hold of me, worked in the cafeteria at the college that I went to. He got a hold of me, and, and, and we started going out on Friday nights and, and, and walking in downtown Springfield and, and to the college campuses, and he showed me how to start conversations. A lot of times he started them for me. Hey, how you doing? You know, how's the night? Hey, this is my friend Jason. He's got something he wants to share with you. I mean, like talking about putting it on the tee for me, you know? I mean, man, that, that is super helpful. Pursue that. I know, I know what some of you think. You're saying, you're saying right now, you're saying, well, man, Pastor Jason's really been blessed. And I, I agree. Yes, thank you, G. Thank you for Scott Carlson. Thank you for Kenny Qualls. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for Andrew Dostal. Thank you for Gary Williams and, and Daniel Castro. Thank you for all these guys you put around me. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Lord. But, but also, here's the reality. You should pursue it. Okay? You, you should pursue that. If you don't have somebody investing in you, somebody you can look at and say, all right, they're following Jesus. That's going to help me follow Jesus. I want to be with them. It's on you. Pursue that. Seek that. All right, there's a couple things specifically that Paul says he recalls the Thessalonian Christians imitating him in. Let's look at those real quickly. Verse um, 6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? You receive the word of much affliction. One of, the, one of the ways the scriptures determine whether we're the real deal is how we respond to hard times, how we respond to struggle, how we respond to persecution, how we respond to pressure, okay? How, when your faith is tested, like, what happens? Like, what, what does it do, all right? Man, these guys, right off the bat, we actually, cool thing, we have a story, the story of how this church was founded in uh, Acts chapter 17. Let me read it to you real quick. I'll read part of it. In Acts, 6, in Acts 17, uh, verse 5 says, but the Jews were jealous. This is in Thessalonica. So the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring him out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is no other king but Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were dis disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken, them, uh, taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. All right, so 
And here's how this church began. Imagine, you're a brand new Christian in the church. You've only been a Christian for days or weeks or hours. I don't know. And the guy that came to plant the church, well, he's got to flee the city uh, in risk of his life. And, and the leaders in the church, well, they get arrested and publicly kind of berated, and they have to pay a fine just to be let go. Man, if that's how the church begins, you can probably imagine there were Christians who were disowned by their families and lost their jobs and were beaten and physically abused, were ridiculed, maligned, falsely accused, all the things that happen really in many other parts of the world right now today. And yet Paul says, you, you embraced the word. You, you obeyed Jesus in the midst of that with, okay, here's, here's the, the, the whipped cream on top, with, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Man, joy. I, I went through this passage. I walked through this passage with uh, three guys yesterday and just, just almost like devotionally walked through it and, and always try to make a an, uh, kind of a commitment of obedience. And man, that, that right there just, just grabbed me. And, and just, just Jason, man, do, do, you, do you set a thermostat of joy everywhere you go? You know, in the midst of not being able to gather, which really bothers you, you know, are, 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 is your thermo, are, are you determining this joyful spirit in, in all things? Because that, that is the command of the scriptures. That is the response of the scriptures. But last week, man, that, 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 that reality that we are joined to the resurrected Jesus Christ should produce in us an eclipsing joy. If you listened last week, that was the point of my, my illustration about my daughter's wedding is, man, we're, we're singing this song about being joined forever to the resurrected Christ, and that so eclipsed everything in my mind, I almost forgot I was at a wedding. Like, it, it is an eclipsing joy. Psalm 68.3, hopefully you memorized that. It was in our March memory verse. That's why I'm bringing it up again. It says, the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. So Paul's looking at these guys in the midst of affliction, in the midst of trials, and, 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 and he sees in them this indomitable joy. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, you're the real thing. Man, you're chosen. You're loved by God. You got it. You got it. It's, it's not this fickle happiness, this lightweight cheer. It's not this fragile joy that can only survive in an environment of ease. It's the kind of joy that can sing in the storm. And is that you? And I hope that's you. I hope that's your testimony this morning. All right, number three. All right, so, so number one, they, they receive the word, right? They hear it. They hear it. They hear it and they see it in Paul, okay? And then number two, they, they begin to be imitators of Paul and the Lord in, in, in receiving the word of much affliction with joy. And now, now what, what does that produce in them? They become, they become the example. All right, look, look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, so that you became an example. By the way, that word example could also be translated pattern, right? You became a pattern. You became a type, right? You became a, a, a pattern to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's their whole region. But not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, okay, so let, let's stop right there. So he says, you became, a, you became an example to all the believers. Why? Because the word of God sounded forth. It's a word that means trumpeted. All right, so the gospel, right? You got a group of believers here who are articulating the gospel in their everyday life. They're, 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 they're having gospel conversations everywhere they go. And it says, 
You, you have saturated your region, your geographical region with the gospel. Just your church. That's what Paul says there. You're like, man, is that really possible? I was thinking this morning. We had, we had a great church. Uh, and I was just thinking of two of our guys. Uh, two of our guys that, that their business is to meet with people. Okay, So they, they meet with a lot of people. And I confirmed this with them this morning, but I bet just between those two guys, I bet there have been gospel conversations with somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 people in our community. Two guys at Lincoln Avenue. All right? Now, if there's five, 600 of us who, who attend on a regular basis, all right, and two guys are, are, are covering a couple thousand people with the gospel, man, it is absolutely possible that Lincoln Avenue could trumpet, we could sound forth the gospel in our entire geographic region, okay? But, but, he, but he, keep going here, all right? Look, look, look at verse 8. He says, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, so not only have you proclaimed it, okay, in Macedonia Kia, but he says, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Okay, Paul says, man, we, we don't need to talk about it even. We, need, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves, okay, so the community, the, the geographic region, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turn for, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Man, not only are they trumpeting the word of God, their life, their life is an obvious demonstration of having turned to God from idols. Maybe you have a little disconnect when, when the scripture talks about idols. Maybe you're thinking, well, hey, we don't have any monkey statues around. We don't have any uh, uh, demon statues. We don't have any big poles that people are, are falling down to and worshiping. But listen, listen, listen. Very clearly in the scripture, everybody's a worshiper, okay? Everybody's a worshiper. You, your whole life, you're going to worship something. What you worship is simply what you value most, what, what you live for, what what you hold out is your, is your greatest desire, what your life is all about. And everybody's life is about something. Everybody's life is pursuing something. Everybody's life is running after something. Everybody's a worshiper. And, and, and I wonder if people were just watching your life. You didn't, you didn't have a chance to say anything to them. They're just watching you. You're on, you're, you're, you're on the Truman Show. I don't know if you guys remember that movie where this guy doesn't know he's being filmed 24-7. The world is watching. Okay, If, if that's you, then what, what do people say that, man, what, what's that guy's greatest value? What, what's, what's his greatest treasure? What is it? What's his master? What's he live for? And people can see when you change that, right? Now, I've got some good friends that I... I They've got a syndrome that I call hobby ADHD, okay? Hobby ADHD. In other words, they, they burn through hobbies really fast. And, and they, they don't need to tell me that they've switched, right? I, 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 can, I can just see it. You know, I, I drive by their house, and there's a for sale sign on the boat, and there's a new motorcycle in the driveway. I, I know. Like, hey, they're not into boats anymore. They're into motorcycles, you know? Or I'm going through their Facebook, and, and it used to be all dune buggy pictures, and it's not dune buggy pictures anymore. Now it's, now it's rifle pictures and shooting competition pictures. And, and I, 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 I was in their garage the other day, you know? And it used to be covered with fishing poles and fishing trophies. And, and now, it's, now there's 20 coyote pelts, you know? Hey, I, I get it. Like, like hey, oh, you're into that now. Hey, 
And you don't think people, if they spend enough time around you, can say, hey, I know what that guy's all about. I know what he loves. I know what he lives for. The testimony of these believers was so crystal clear that he says, man, we don't even have to say anything. The the world around you knows you turned to serve the living God from idols. That you are waiting. That's a beautiful last verse. You're waiting for something. You're looking for. You're, you're, You're anticipating this coming of Jesus. The thing that you love most. The one that you love most. Church, what's your testimony? What's your testimony? What's your personal testimony? But man, I, I, I'm, I'm interested just in what is the testimony of Lincoln Avenue? Like if, if there's an Apostle Paul out there and he's writing to us, what's he hear about us? What does he see? What do people see? What do they see in us? And I, I, I want to be this church. I want to be the church that multiplies disciples. I want to be the church that Someone's able to say, man, they they heard the gospel, they saw the gospel, they immediately began to imitate the Lord and those who discipled them. Their life began to change, and pretty soon they began to be an example to others, both in the spoken word and in the clear demonstration of their life. And they changed their world. And Lincoln, let's be that. Let's be that. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I ask you, God, to, to give us this testimony. God, I pray specifically through a, that in the midst of a, a trying time, in the midst of a, a difficult season, God, that we would receive the word with much affliction, that we would receive it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that it would be clear and evident to all that we have turned from our idols to serve the living and true God. Father, give us, give us the ability to articulate the gospel. Give us a desire to trumpet it, to herald it, to proclaim it. Father, please, Lord, make us that church. God, we, we need your power. God, we need your power to accompany our words. Father, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for pursuing people like us. Your grace is amazing. Father, we love you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Church, thank you for joining. Uh, there's a Zoom Sunday School. Uh, if you go to our Facebook or uh, if, you got a, if you got our text alerts, you had one about that, I hope you'll plug into that and uh, join Sunday School. Uh, work real hard to connect uh, through other ways uh, with the body of Christ. Small group leaders so appreciate you connecting with your groups. Uh, Man, church, I hope it is soon that we are together again. Thanks for being with us.